Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck, to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 121 I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you go- your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the river Hebar, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to the priest Ezekiel, son of Buzi, in the land of Chaldeans by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was on him there. As I looked, a stormy wind came out of the north, a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually, and in the middle of the fire, something like gleaming amber. In the middle of it was something like four living creatures, This was their appearance. They were of human form. Each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each of them moved straight ahead without turning as they moved. As for the appearance of their faces, the four had the face of a human being, the face of a lion on the right side, the face of an ox on the left side, and the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of the other, while two covered their bodies. Each moved straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. In the middle of a living of the living creatures, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and lightning issued from the fire. The living creatures darted to and fro like a flash of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of barrel, and the four had the same form, their construction being something like a wheel within a wheel. When they moved, they moved in any of the four directions without veering as they moved. Their rims were tall and awesome, for the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels moved beside them, and when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. 
Wherever the Spirit would go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When they moved, the others moved. When they stopped, the others stopped. And when they rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was something like a dome, shining like crystal, spread out above their heads. Under the dome, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward each other, and each of the creatures had two wings covering its body. When they moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of mighty waters, like the thunder of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army. When they stopped, they let down their wings, and there came a voice from above the dome over their heads. When they stopped, they let down their wings. Acts chapter 9, verses 19 through 31. After taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoked this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. After some time had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night so that they might kill him. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and described for them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He spoke and argued with the Hellenists, but they were attempting to kill him. When the believers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Meanwhile, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was built up. Living in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. So that was a nice lengthy reading. And uh, you may remember from Friday, we've spoken uh, previously in the book of Revelation about these four creatures. And we have them again here in this uh, pretty lengthy read from the first uh, chapter of Ezekiel. Um, this is uh, subtitled in the NRSV, The Vision of the Chariot. And open, this is you know basically the introduction to the, the book of Ezekiel, which is kind of weird, but um, to just start talking about how you see this crazy vision. And Ezekiel is kind of interesting um, and unique because he tries to place himself um, specifically in time. It's almost like Luke, like trying to give readers um, breadcrumbs and proof of when and when their narrative fits into the wider scheme of things. And so Ezekiel gives us specifics about when all this stuff goes down. But in short, you know, kind of nutshell version is he's been exiled to Babylon with a number of the other um, kind of well-to-do Israelites. 
Um, and then the poor people, for the most part, were left back in, uh, in the land of Israel, um, and they would later become the Samaritans. Um, but he has his vision. Um, to my knowledge, it's the earliest part um, that includes these four creatures, sometimes called the four living creatures. And I had to do some homework on this because I was actually kind of curious about, um, I mentioned last time that the evangelists have four symbols that, that, um, that derive from or match up with these four creatures. Um, and both in Ezekiel and in the book of Revelation, uh, the four are, uh, depending on the translation, uh, an angel or a man, a lion, an ox or a bull, and then finally an eagle. Um, and the book of Revelation is borrowing from Ezekiel and then the, the placement of those four creatures onto the evangelists doesn't happen until the 5th century. Um, and there, it's actually kind of really informative and easy to read Wikipedia article and I was kind of double checking some of my notes from seminary. Um, but how these are interpreted, you know, there's about as many ways to interpret these as there are um, interpreters. Um, but there are some kind of uh, rough sketches that we do know, and it's kind of interesting because we know that um, the Israelites, in, in recording and then, or well, compiling and then recording um, and distributing these stories that become the Bible, um, it begins uh, in earnest around the Babylonian captivity, and they're writing back about what they remember from. Uh, Saul and David and Solomon before the kingdom got broken up and eventually captured by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Um, and these four creatures, they're called, uh, they're usually referred to as a tetramorph or the tetramorph, I guess. And tetra is four in Greek and morph is just like form or thing. So these four things um, in Babylon meant specific things. So the Babylonian um, zodiac. These are the four fixed creatures of the of the zodiac, um, and the angel is represented by Aquarius. Um, the lion is Leo, the ox is Taurus, and then the eagle is Scorpio. Um, and these symbols were probably picked up on by the community or the person that wrote out and distributed the book of Ezekiel. Um, and in Israelite mythology or, or symbolism, at least those things also kind of mean different things. And it's difficult to pin down what's called angelology, you know, study of angels in ancient Israel. That one, not, I'm still not so sure about, but the lion, uh, represented strength and majesty. They did have them in Palestine. Um, there's a great resource called the Jewish encyclopedia that kind of, uh, gives some, um, scholarly interpretations of, you know, different, you know, words in, in, in how they were used, uh, both, you know, based in archeology span and history, the historical record, and also within the, um, the Jewish Bible, the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and, uh, so we know that lions existed. They probably were trapped in a certain way. Um, but they, basically uh, represent royalty or majesty. Um, and that's, you know, you probably have heard of the Lion of Judah. Um, 
you know, it's supposed to be something of power. The ox or the bull, um, the, uh, these symbolize wealth or food. And that's why they become so important in the sacrificial system. You, the, the biggest, grandest sacrifice that was expected usually involved a bull, usually some kind of like perfect or unblemished bull, like a, a red heifer or something. You know, not only is it hard to find, but it's also like you're giving up your food, which was also a symbol of wealth. And you're giving, you know, it's like tithing, this money, a symbol of currency, of affluence is being burnt and eaten, well, eaten by the priests, but not by the people. Um, and so it, it, it's just kind of interesting to think of the ox or the bull as a sacrificial uh, unit, um, but one in which also symbolizes um, affluency and well-to-do-ness. And then finally, the eagle. This was interesting. The Jewish encyclopedia suggested that um, the Hebrew word here is nesher, and that was not maybe, you know, the eagle as we think of in terms of like American symbolism, um, the bald eagle or whatever, but the Jewish encyclopedia suggested it's something more of a vulture. Um, it was an unclean animal, in fact, um, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't to be messed with and it was known for speed. Um, now fast forward through Christianity, um, book of Revelation, supposedly written by um, one of the apostles, the youngest apostles, who's now in his old age. He's borrowing probably from Ezekiel. Um, and so he's reusing these same um, uh, types or, or forms uh, to say something similar and yet slightly different. Um, the eagle probably had some connotation with Rome. The imperial eagle was um, really um, uh, easy to find around Judea. It's kind of like a reminder. It's almost like the American flag, like a reminder of, you know, the the who was in charge. Um, the ox and the bull still was used in sacrificial systems in the temple. Um, the lion as well, and then the angel and, and the man. Clearly, you know, John kind of had this high theology. Um, and it isn't until the fifth century that they become associated with the four gospels and the gospel writers or their the communities that kind of compiled them. So I think I may have gotten it wrong. Um, again, in order, the angel or the man is Matthew. The lion is Mark. The ox or the bull is Luke. And then the eagle is John. And there's all different... I mean, there's... The Wikipedia article is really helpful. as a little table. But basically, you know, different, uh, important, cool talking heads interpreted these slightly different. It's almost like you know, the ordering of the Bible. You know, if you're in Lutheran church, you'll see one thing. If you're in an Orthodox Christian church, you'll see another. Like, it just, you know, take your pick. But Jerome's interpretation is apparently the most common. Um, and Matthew was the angel or the man because it begins with a genealogy, with a human lineage of Jesus Christ. Um, Mark is the lion because of the sense of power and kind of like punchiness of his gospel, it's short and really powerful and prophetic. It's also probably the earliest. The ox or the bull, because it begin, uh, is Luke, because Luke's gospel begins in the temple with a sacrifice. And then finally, the eagle, not necessarily because of how John begins, but because of the spirituality um, and the kind of like divine focus of John's gospel. So those are the four living creatures. I thought it was really interesting to read them again 
in Ezekiel, I knew of the living creatures, but I didn't know exactly where um, where it came from. But it's significant that this is the first chapter of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is the priest at the time when uh, the Jews are actually thinking to themselves and beginning to act on um, all these stories that they'd had stored up and written down, but they began in earnest to compile them. And um, this is, you know, the first place that, uh, you know, early on in this prophetic book where these symbols are used to say something behind the thing they seem to be saying. Um, and that's just kind of interesting. I thought it was, was fun to kind of look up what these might mean. Um, and, uh, but the, the symbolism is important, but it's also, you know, it's highly metaphorical and could quite frankly mean just about anything. But these are kind of the, the consensus opinions of, I don't know, a couple thousand years. So take them for what they're worth. They're actually probably worth quite a lot. A Prayer for Knowledge of God's Creation From the Book of Common Prayer Almighty and everlasting God, you made the universe with all its marvelous order, its atoms, worlds, and galaxies, and the infinite complexity of living creatures. Grant that as we probe the mysteries of your creation, we, may, we may come to know you more truly and more surely fulfill our role in your eternal purpose. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into Pew Pew HQ's First Formation, where we share morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support this podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host yourself by recording a lectionary reading and sending it to me to be included in a weekday episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts can be found in earlier episodes, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in First Formation in this or any way. Finally, and maybe most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a voice message feature on Anchor's iOS or Android apps. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. Three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you will continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been and always will be Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.